Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Globalize Asian. Food blogging is a digital library created by food enthusiasts showcasing their love for various cuisines around the world. Preeti Dio is one such food blogger and more. She's passionate about exploring and showcasing Maharashtrian cuisine. She's a trained classical dancer and worked with kids with special needs. So let's find out more about Preeti Dio in today's episode. very much for coming all the way from Bracknell to joining us it's 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 a pleasure to have you over my pleasure absolute pleasure right so we'll start with a, a bit about yourself tell us more about uh, your background when you came to the uk what's what 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 are your qualifications and how did you finally stumble upon the world of food blogging well i'll uh, trace back into my childhood to begin with uh, I was in Bengal from 1975 to 1989 and that period actually gave me a lot of uh, experience with regards creativity. Uh, during my stay in uh, Kolkata I learned Kathak dance so that's where my guru uh, Miradas Gupta trained me uh, into Kathak dance and uh, Ravindra Nritya as well and most of my childhood was spent mainly dancing and learning uh, different songs bengali songs and uh, while i was in kolkata i'll say directly that i was very very fussy as a child totally but i had a very sweet tooth so i relished on the bengali sweets the sweet meats mishti doi and of course the street food available out there and my mother used to like worry how is she going to be strong this um, frail little girl she dances she has got so many rehearsals um she has to eat well but all i enjoyed was roti with uh, either condensed milk or a jam spread on our roti roll it up and that was my tiffin or anything but yes i definitely enjoyed the churan and the uh, everything that the girls my school friends had there in their tiffin as well and um, after kolkata we moved to maharashtra that was in kolhapur uh that was a very short stay i'll say but this place kind of got a kind of a conscious experience towards food for me that is where i explored more opportunities related to food and um, that's the place where i actually came to know across um, the different ways people present food in different forms as well like a pitla which is more kind of a gram flour roux um, roux is basically a gram uh, a flour preparation which the french cuisine has but even the indian cuisine has a roux preparation using gram flour so the kolhapuris make their pitla using um sugarcane juice so i was kind of amazed how could they do it and it tasted so amazing and that's when the palate started developing and from kolhapur i ended up being into pune city where i um gained my qualification as a pharmacist and there too i enjoyed eating in the mess uh, the tiffin mess where my maushi used to give us um all kinds of different food marathi definitely it was marathi spread because uh, pune has a good source of uh, different types of food available and all the khana were basically 
the food joints which were available for the students mm -hmm. were the best places to go to and eat as well because they served the home cooked food yeah. and it was authentic and the spices used were absolute minimal and people enjoyed it. I enjoyed food because of my friends also because I used to look at them and wonder why do they like this food and they thoroughly enjoyed uh, Karan uh, which was uh, the first time that I, that I actually uh, tasted and Karan is basically an aquafaba. Aquafaba is the chickpea flour, uh, not the chickpea flour, sorry, uh, chickpea water which you normally have in the dabbas and uh, which has got the protein content in the water and that is flavoured. And Indian version of aquafaba is basically this Karan and here they make meringues using aquafaba. And this actually started coming into my mind as I started eating, oh, say, uh, cuisine, Indian cuisine. I didn't know much about Marathi then, but I kind of was ex uh, enjoying the fact that it is Indian. Indian food has so much to offer. And uh, later on, as I got married into their family, uh, this family cooks elaborate lunches and it's uh, the cooking is done by the so lady in the house where she uh, has a bath in the morning and goes to the kitchen platform and none of us were allowed to reach the kitchen platform until and unless we had a bath. So very very ritualistic about that fact and I used to dread going to the kitchen as well because it was so much organized and I thought I might make a mistake. So that's the unfortunate part on my, my side I'll say that I didn't venture out in that kitchen as well. So my mother-in-law, her sisters, uh, my husband's boy and everybody, they used to cook and provide food for us and we relished it. It was lovely. But I used to think, no, this is a humongous job. I will never be able to achieve it. But I used to wait for a moment thinking, I, I always used to think that someday maybe I'll be able to drape that Nawazari and stand in front of that huge kitchen platform and cook for 70, 80 people in the family. But someday I, I just calm myself down and said, no, Preeti, this is not possible now. You'll so have to wait. So 70, 80 people in the family? Yes, the joint family. Wow. Yeah. So it was a humongous task. Hence, I, I said, you said, wow, I, I just stepped back. I said, no, I can't do it. Did you know about that before you got married, you're getting into a uh, joint family, 70 <laughs> to 80 people? Yes, I knew about it. Wow. But I thought, yeah, khana banta hai, so I might be able to do it. I might be able to do it. There are ladies around in the house who might help me. But, you know, when, the, when it was a, a fact, when I came to know, no, you have to chop the vegetables for 70 people, you have to make those pori for 70 people, curry, sabzi and everything. Uh, so it was a huge, huge task. Uh, but the ladies thoroughly enjoyed it. They, they were so well organized, they were so used to it and uh, uh, they could manage it. Uh, I think it was a habit basically. But I never stepped into it. Then we came into the UK, that was in 2006 and I loved being in here because uh, this was a place I was <laughs> looking forward to because as a child I used to read lots of uh, any Blyton books mm -hmm. and um, whatever visions I had about an English country I could see it here and I wanted to eat jacket potato, I wanted to eat the sticky toffee puddings, the cakes and everything so I relished on those for some time but then the reality strikes. I was yearning for home-cooked food. Mm -hmm. I didn't have my mom here. I didn't have my mother-in-law here. I didn't have my sister-in-law here who could cook the best curry in the world. So 
what do I do now? Oh, uh, my friend had given me a nice book called Asruchira by Late Kamla Bayogle. And uh, I happened to just open it to see how it goes. This, I thought I might as well just start cooking through this book. And that's how I started venturing into cooking. Uh, I went through the recipe. It was the same recipe as my mother's recipe. Nothing different. But the fact that I had tried it myself yeah. and it was perfect made me really, really happy. Happy enough to then start your own blog, right? Yes, yes. But, then, but the blog started with the baking part, I'll say. Mm -hmm. It started as a, as a baking blog. That is why it is called Icing Cakes and More. Yeah. And uh, as I said, I wanted to explore the baking products out here in England. So I baked a lot. My mom used to bake uh, when she was in Kolkata. And I used to wait for those bakes when she came back from her lessons. Um, she used to bring them in dabbas for us. And I relished them. So I said, no, I, I might as well bake it here. Because every house in England has a nice oven. So, and everything is readily available. So I just enjoyed baking. But yes, Ruchira, when I chanced upon Ruchira and when I started yearning my home-cooked food, that's when I started putting together all the recipes and everything in my blog as well. But I didn't want to um, copy the recipes from Ruchira, so I just used to photo, put the photograph in the blog and write down my experience regarding it as to how I achieved it, whether it was a good achievement or I needed to improve and all these facts into there. So somewhere down the line, I think your uh, thought process behind it was, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you wanted to get Maharashtrian cuisine a little bit more limelight than it has already? Uh, yes, it was more uh, of a fact, I'll say, to understand Maharashtrian cuisine for myself, first of all, and then to carry on doing it so that my son could understand that this is, son doesn't miss out on the Maharashtrian cuisine as well. And Yes, as I started cooking, I started inviting my friends as well. And I enjoyed plating my Russian food on the table, so it was to bring it on the limelight as well. Yeah. Did you try to research around uh, Bracknell if there is anything available, ready-made available for from our Russian cuisine no. menu at all, or you always wanted home-cooked? Uh, yes, I did explore, but all uh, it had Bracknell or anywhere around UK, I'll say, but when I was around here, uh, they just had an Indian restaurant yeah. which served uh, naan, yeah. biryanis and uh, chicken tikka masalas and some curries. Commercial food. Yeah, yeah. the commercial food, all anglicized. And I was completely, completely shocked when I ate one. In fact, I remember visiting one Indian restaurant. I don't remember the name, but uh, the chef and the people around uh, serving around there were Bangladeshi. So, and since I know Bangla, I said, this is uh, absolutely bland and different. Can we do something different? And he spoke to me, Apni chan. That is, do you want some green chilies in those? Uh, I can bring them yeah. for you. I said, that will not make the difference. There's, there's some more things that needs to happen there. And I didn't know at, at, the, at that moment as to what needs to be happening. But now I can tell them what needs to be done. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's 10 years down the line. Yes, yes. So, so what about other than cooking? I mean, you mentioned that you've done your degree in pharmacy. Yes. Um, did you practice that at all in India I, or in UK? And if you did, you know, where did that take you? Uh, I, I, after my graduation, I uh, was working with MKO Pharmacy and also with Natco Pharma in Pune. But later on, I left my job and concentrated on dancing. And I used to teach um, disabled students in Pune. 
Kathak dance. Later on, when I came to UK, I decided to work in a special needs school. And uh, although I didn't have the qualification uh, to teach in a special needs school here in the UK, the school trained me absolutely well. And uh, just for the fact that I had the understanding of working with students who have disabilities, they gave me that opportunity. Mm. And they trained me towards the NVQ qualifications uh, to support the students as well. And I must say it was an amazing, amazing journey being with the students who have special needs. And uh, I realized myself more in a true form had I, uh, working with these students. Had I not done that, I would have missed out a lot, I'll say. Mm. So yes, after my pharmacy qualification, I moved towards uh, gaining my NVQ supporting the special needs student out here. So special is such a broader term in terms of you know kids who are who have not developed certain um, sensory organs or a certain um, aspect of their. So special needs is such a broader term in terms of uh, kids who have learning disabilities. How how did you manage that? Uh, it was a completely different world for me. Special needs is a kind of a sector wherein children who have different needs, it may just not be the physical needs, uh, they have global develop developmental delays, uh, autism, Asperger's syndrome, some even have Down syndrome, there are some behavioral disorders as well, emotional dis disorders as well. So quite a lot of strands are there, put, they are all put together under one umbrella which is special needs. Uh, mm. S-E-N, I'll say, Special Educational Needs, okay. I'll say. And I used to work in a secondary department, uh, that is year six, uh, year seven onwards, till key stage four. And uh, it was an amazing journey, as I said before. Uh, lovely, because each day was different. So every morning I used to get up, I didn't have a kind of a routine. I knew it's going to be different because, yes, the lessons were there, but each lesson was different in every uh, every week, I'll say. Uh, every minute is different, every day is different, mornings are different, afternoons are different. A student who has been really calm and nice in the morning could end up being so hyper in the afternoon. They could push you, they could bite you, uh, but they can be absolutely loving by the end of the day when they realize what has happened. It's basically so many things are happening inside them. They have mm. so many emotions and they can't uh, express it. We have got those abilities to express those emotions, the right way to express them, but they need those strategies to express those em emotions. Uh, so understanding those strategies to help them express those emotions was a big task. Apart from those as well, those learning disabilities, when, when a certain student has a dysle dyslexia, uh, you have to put forth some uh, learning aids for them as well, mm -hmm. so that they can achieve the curriculum. So when you see, even, even when a student could write one whole sentence without a spelling mistake, that was the achievement for the day. Right. Yeah, that made me happy because I had worked towards that particular student for months maybe, so that he could write one single sentence. So, so it, it is challenging. But it's rewarding. And very, very rewarding. Yes. And it changed me as a person again uh, because, uh, well, Anyone should basically uh, visit a special needs school and understand, go and see there. Rather than cribbing about things we don't have, 
there are so many things we have and we should appreciate those. Mm-hmm. So, and I started appreciating everything that I have around me. Yeah, I think so, it's a materialistic world, isn't it? If you are yeah. able enough to yeah. worry about materialistic things, then yeah. that's where your worry yeah. pretty much yeah. lies every day. Yeah. It's yeah. only when you come across someone it's as basic as you know yeah. picking up a fork or eating, yeah. Yeah. you know, or yeah. writing, whatever these kind of things absolutely. that we take for granted. Yeah. So, and they they are absolutely loving and. Uh, they, the moment they are angry, the next moment they will be so happy and loving to, towards you. So I think in today's mankind, people need to know this, all this anger and outrage that's going around in the mm-hmm. world. People should learn from such situations. That so you, uh, in, in some ways, did you use your cooking as an outlet from uh, to yes. break away from your day job? Yes. As I mentioned, it, uh, although I loved my job, it was absolutely stressful. By the end of the day, I used to be shattered, and if I didn't have anything else to do after the day ended, I'd actually just end up in my uh, sofa and couldn't get up, and that was not the best thing to do. So I started uh, cooking. So before going to my work uh, in the mornings, I used to make sure I had a plan ready for my dinner. Mm-hmm. So even if I had, if I had a bad day on my way back, I had something to look forward to. Uh, kind of a menu set for the family, uh, the, some vegetables which I had to chop in a different way or some kind of a technique which I had to learn through the book and uh, present it to my family. And of course, these Facebooks and Instagrams and Twitters, these are such media where you can showcase your work and you, you get so many appreciations as well from your fellow bloggers. So that kept me going as well. So yes, it helped me. Um, and to break away and keep, yes, keep going yes, with your blocking. Yes, and it recharged me for the next day as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people now. Even you know they're well traveled and they go to different areas of the of of yeah, of India and you know the in the, the remote areas and they. They, they started to appreciate these regional foods, not just the commercial food that we get it here. Mm-hmm. So do you think there is a shift in the Indian food scene? People are getting more aware of what kind of food is available from which part of India. Obviously, you, you're you're passionate about Maharashtrian food, but do you, when you read or when you talk to other mm-hmm. you know food enthusiasts and mm-hmm. through your food blogging, do you see that happening in the market at all? Yes, definitely. There's definite shift in um, the whole scenario. Let's say people are trying to get hold of more uh, regional ingredients to cook food as well, and uh, people are trying to get hold of different recipes um, to find out about the different food being presented in the regional restaurants in India as well. Uh, in India, I'll say that there's a lot of um, conservation going on towards regional cuisine. People are trying to use that knowledge to pass on to the next generation. Um, there are lots of chefs who are trying to make sure that food actually qualifies international standards as well. So they're trying to use different techniques in regional cuisines like uh, um, the molecular gastronomy has stepped in there and um, virtual reality as well coming through. So they are trying their best to make sure the regional cuisine can be presented in a different way, in a stylish way for the uh, global platform out there. Uh, at the same time, I'll say uh, people like us, the food bloggers, who ha- who belong to different communities, like if someone's from Bengal, they're trying to write about the authentic Bengali recipe for maybe a fish jhol, machir jhol, uh, the simplest ingredients going in there. A Marathi would like to talk about uh, the pitla, if 
possible and the different forms of pitla which have been made in the family. So these blogs, all these media, the YouTube videos basically, um, again the Facebook, Twitter and uh, Instagram, they're kind of helping out, reach out to the different masses around the world with the regional cuisines and the chefs are doing a great job as well, uh, creating different food with the international standards so that they can be plated on the uh, tables as well. But still, there's a huge gap, I'll say. Um, the gap basically is, if I just give you an example about my son, um, he knows about Marathi cuisine. But uh, if he's not tasted the Marathi cuisine at all, and he ends up in a fine dining restaurant in India someday because of his work or some other thing and he's presented uh, maybe some shrikan in a spherical form and he eats it he thinks okay this is Marathi cuisine so that's not a complete knowledge I'll say mm. he needs to know the basic first of mm. all what a shrikan tastes as a whole and then yes as an experience shrikan in a spherical form is good enough for him yeah yeah so that gap needs building first of all so people have to retrace uh, find the traditions, enjoy the traditions, experience it and together with it get hold of the new facts as well and then enjoy the whole experience. Yeah. That's what I feel. That's right. I think you're, you're, it's also pretty clear that you are quite involved and passionate about the whole technical experience of food cooking right down to the ingredients you use and Maharashtrian cuisine as you understand has um, an immense number of different ingredients which mm not are often used in, in the northern parts of India or, or in the cuisine that's more popular globally. Mm -hmm. So um, how do you think, do you think that may be a challenge to kind of educate people as to what the ingredients will be before it gets served up or do, how do you plan to bridge the gap in the understanding like you said? Um, I think it has to be on, a, on an individual basis first of all. Uh, like together with my husband we make sure we cook the regional cuisine, which is Marathi cuisine. Uh, to give you some examples, like um, Manoj Vasekar, who is a chef in London, he has certain Pathare Prabhu uh, dishes as well in his menu. Now, Pathare Prabhu is another uh, community in Maharashtra. So he's not put the whole uh, menu, he's not made his whole, whole menu as Pathare Prabhu menu, but he's just introduced a few in there to see how people accept it. Mm -hmm. So trial and error will be good and those ingredients, uh, adding those ingredients into those uh, recipes and making sure people understand uh, the facts about the ingredients, giving them the knowledge about the ingredients and how it can affect the flavors that can be brought forth. Uh, then there are some pop-ups happening as well around yeah. the places people are interested in, in doing the regional cuisine in pop-up forms. So that would be a nice place to introduce just not the cuisine, the techniques involved, the ingredients involved. Could, it would be nice if people can talk about the memories involved uh, when they were kids growing up in the country. I know one, um, one author who's in California, Komudi Marathe, she, when she moved to California about 20 years back, um, she, even she was shocked at the fact people used curry words so often. She started a company called as Uncurry. So that's where she started uh, educating the people about 
a non-curry version of Indian food, basically. Yeah. Yes. So, so people are working out there, and yeah. they're trying their best to do it as well. And I want to carry on the same thing. There's one Marathi film called as Shanks, uh, which has been recently uh, published by Ashay Zavikar. It's an amazing documentary, a film, I'll say, non-fiction. Uh, I'll say more and more people should watch it to find out what exactly he wants to convey. It's mainly about Marathi cuisine again, that it can be multi-course, just like any other cuisines. Mm. And uh, there's a way of serving it as well. Yeah. There's a method of serving that cuisine and how it is and why it is. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give out the uh, the whole idea about the film, yeah. but yes, and people are doing it in the individual on their individual ways as well. Yeah. And I want to carry on the same. Uh, I don't want to have a restaurant as such, but I'd like to document it. As I mentioned it before, that I want a robust research done towards it first of all to yeah. document it and then present it to the world and i think social media like you said plays such a big role in helping people to share ideas methods of cooking yeah. and educate people about food um, yeah. for anybody who is passionate about food in general mm-hmm. so where you are right now preeti in, in terms of your food blogging what what else apart from that uh, are you doing what are other in- initiatives that you are involved in and and also where do you plan to take this food blogging experience forward how do you plan to build from here uh, as i started my food blogging uh, i enjoyed the photography part of it as well uh, presenting marathi cuisine in a completely different manner was a kind of a challenge because uh, i've always grown up eating uh, my vegetables and all uh, dal and everything in a normal kadhai uh, or even a cooker, the pressure cooker was placed on my table many a time. So I've never imagined it can be uh, placed in a different stylish form, in a fashionable form. But as I started my blogging, I met a few uh, food bloggers who were interested in food photography and they introduced me to this whole new world. So I started experimenting in styling Marathi food, mm-hmm. presenting it in a different way, trying to use different props and uh, placing it on the table. So I'd like to showcase Marathi food with my photographs to the different uh, communities as well, that it can also be presented in a different way to in on your table. And also, both Rajesh and I have a two-hands venture, mm-hmm. which is a kind of uh, venture where we cook food at home, Marathi food at home, and uh, people come to our place, they enjoy the food, and on their way back, they donate some money. Mm-hmm. That money goes to some charity. So we are able to help people uh, through food. Okay. So, so essentially it's a charity cooking club. It, yeah, so it's a kind of a cooking club, but it's more a family thing. Family. Uh, I haven't kind of established a club as such. As, um, so you would invite yourself rather than yes. you would post for anybody to come in? Yes. Uh, last year it was mainly for my uh, close friends. But right. this year we sent an email to Marathi community. So we are out of that cycle. Oh, you can come <laughs> next time. Yeah, you can come next time. Yes. But okay. I didn't know how, how much I could achieve basically. That was my first time. Last year was my first time. That's when we cooked for about 70 people. Yes, 70 people I could cook. Wow. <laughs> yes, we made pitla bhakri for 70 people. Obviously, yeah. I had my friends to come and help me later on to pack those bhakris. Uh, we made about 200 bakris that morning but it was an amazing experience and the fact that we could help mm-hmm. was the second happiness and this year we cooked for 70 people again but it was a complete 12 course meal Marathi meal for 
the crowd who had come and we were able to support Maya which is uh, another venture who are supporting um, the elderly people in India. So so yes, we want to carry on doing that uh, as so a possible. cooking with, with, with a difference. With a difference and with a purpose, basically. With a purpose, yes. 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 So Marathi, obviously, you know, the centre of uh, your theme is around the Maharashtrian food. There are a lot of Maharashtrian mandals around in UK mm. as well, the, you know, the networking events, the WhatsApp group, the Facebook mm. pages, etc. Homepack mm. is one of the the groups that I'm aware of and you, you're part of that group as well. Mm. Have, you, have you explored that arena at all where you want to get more and more people involved or, you know, try a project on on that community? I mean, do you use that platform at all? Uh, well, I'm a part of Marathi Mandal anyway, Reading side. Uh, what we had done in the past was serving typically Marathi cuisine to uh, the Ganpati during the Ganpati festival. We could carry on doing that, but there's more that needs doing basically, again, raising the awareness uh, in the next generation, coming generation, as to what needs being, uh, what is being cooked uh, during Sankranti or Ganesh festival or during Gudi Parva. There are so many festivals mm. in Maharashtra. I, I'm sure there are different festivals around the uh, whole country. Uh, so the food associated with the festival needs to be portrayed mm-hmm. in such festivals, uh, sorry, in the mandals. Um, one such person I can see who can do it is Sushil Rapatwar from Maharashtra Mandal London. He is a person who kind of thinks out of box completely when it comes to planning and organizing. So hopefully uh, I'll speak to him someday and uh, we'll be able to bring forth more into Marathi cuisine uh, mm-hmm. in London uh, if possible, yeah. Well, that's excellent. I think uh, it's fair to say, being a trained classical dancer, uh, we wish you all the luck that you dance away wearing that Maharashtrian sari into uh, realizing your dreams with this venture and build on from here. And really, like you said, it's only fitting that with the sudden shift of food places in across the, across the country and globally, there will be a lot of sun for everyone to shine and uh, you can take it from there. So wish you all the luck with your venture. Thank you. And uh, it was a pleasure having you over. My pleasure as well. Hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. You can catch all upcoming episodes on the website globalize-asian.co.uk or via your iOS or Android devices. Also, if you wish to join us as a speaker and share your story, please do drop us a message via the contact form on the website. That's it for now from Gagan and Vatsala. Thank you very much, guys, for listening to our podcast. A quick shout out to our supporter for the podcast, Royal Beans. Royal Beans is a premium artisan chocolate brand operating out of the city of Bangalore in India. Currently, they're offering Belgian chocolate bonbons infused with interesting flavors like cappuccino, masala chai, dark chocolate ganache, sea salt caramel and many more. Just visit their website on royalbeans.in and order for yourself or get it delivered to your loved ones in major cities across India. As a listener of a podcast, you are entitled to get 10% discount on the order value when you use the code GLA10 at the checkout. So go ahead and check it out.